Welcome to your sanity safe space. Not a fucking issue. With your favorite YouTube podcast duo. You're fucking a white male. And a white female too. Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. <laughs> Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement. This, this. is Beauty and the Beta. <laughs> and we will make America great again. Only Gag free wherever he is. Right? Right? Right. Purple rain, purple rain. Would you rather your child had feminism or cancer? Purple rain, purple rain. And I'm not making this up. Get your clothes back and back out of here! Jeez. Hello and welcome to the show. It's a great show. A terrific show. A tremendous show. Frankly, the best. And um, that's what you'll overhear if you wiretap Trump Tower. President Obama is now a weekly listener, I'm told. That's great news. Love to have you, Barack. This, this of course, is Beauty and the Beta. My name is Matt Christensen. Flanked on my right as always. By my wonderful co-host Rebecca Blonde, welcome. Hello. And uh, back for her third tour tonight. I think third, <laughs> maybe more. I don't. I don't remember. Third, At least I third. think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, friend of the show, favorite guest of ours, Roaming Millennial. Welcome back. Hey guys, thanks for having me again. Ha- happy to have you. You're gonna save us this week, and I'm gonna explain why. You're here to be our, our show savior, because we. Uh, <laughs> well, I should say, if you aren't familiar with Roaming Millennials channel. One, learn to YouTube, and two, uh, take those links in the top of the description. Go subscribe, go follow. I don't ask you to do very much. Do that. Anyway, uh, the reason she's going to save us. Yeah, well, I'm only bossy with you. I don't boss the audience around very much. That's, yeah, that's about it. Um, off the top of the show, the, I'm just going to confess. I have a friend in town, and we've been busy all weekend. <laughs> And I'm very tired, and I'm completely unprepared for this show. We're going to talk about a lot of things that I don't know anything about. And it's going to be great, because uh, the show must go on. <laughs> the fake news must go on. And uh, so we're going to talk Jeff Sessions, uh, the apparent Soviet spy. Blonde's going to explain that to me, because I don't know what's going on with Jeff Sessions. We're going to talk about the latest episode in the saga of Berkeley violence. There's a new update this week, apparently. I've seen the footage. It's crazy. Uh, there was a person charged in making many of these uh, anti-Semitic bomb threats you may have heard about. And um, surprise, surprise, not a Nazi. Didn't come from a Nazi. Who was it? Nope. Find out next. We'll let you know. <laughs> Plus, um, we got an update from our nonsense correspondent, Keith Olverman. He's back at it. He's got another, uh, he's got another message for us, so we'll, we'll take a look at that. Looking forward to hearing from Keith again. I always love my Keith updates. Uh, it'll be all this and more in your favorite hour listening material. Thank you for liking the show on YouTube. Thank you for reviewing the show on iTunes. Thank you for keeping us afloat, helping us upgrade stuff on Patreon. Thank you for emailing us. That's beauty and the beta and gmail.com. And there's always more of the show on the audio platforms, iTunes, Google play, anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, you can find us. They're all linked in the description for you. 
top of the show, since we are your number one source for fake news, I have a uh, correction uh, to make on my own behalf. So I just made a video about um, what I think to be borderline fake news pushed by people I really admire about the Democrats not standing or not clapping enough for the Navy SEAL widow uh, at, the, at Trump's uh, uh, speech before Congress this week. And in that video, I presented Steven Crowder's story, which was accurate at the time of its publishing, but his team had corrected that story before I published my video. And I was working with an archived version of the story. I didn't note his correction in my video. So that one's on me. I still stand by everything else said in the video, but I should have noted his correction. Rules are rules. I said it then. Rules are rules. So I gave it to him. That's for me. Very fake news. Very fake Very news. Very fake news. Rules are rules. Okay. Now we're. Are split. we going to head off every show with that soundbite from now on? <laughs> we might just have to. I think. I think we're going to have to. Yeah. I mean, um, we're going to have to. I'm sure we say something worthy of that every episode. But you know, I think it's fair. And um, and uh, I know Mr. Crowder thought that was a little bit misleading of me, and I respect him. And of course, I'm going to be honest with the work that his team produces. And it's only fair of me to note that. So wasn't intending to misrepresent their work. Didn't see it. I should have circled back to their current story before publishing the video, and I didn't. That's on me. However, my criticisms of that story still stand. That I don't walk those back. Anyhow, uh, you want to move on with uh, telling me about Jeff Sessions? Somebody, so what do you know? I don't, I don't know anything. R- Roaming, are you caught up on this story? Yeah, I mean... I, I think I am. I mean, I okay. I haven't actually been watching CNN, but I've from the articles I've read online, I think I know what's happening. Uh, Matt, in case you, you don't know, so basically Jeff Sessions, um, he said a bunch of racist things. He actually was discovered to have had a black mistress um, from... <laughs> Wait, yeah, I, no. Uh, okay, okay, I was... Well, he had... No, but that's, this <laughs> that is why was I wasn't what? sure where you were going because I was like, well, yeah, he did say a bunch of racist things and they tried to get like, him for that. that. That was their first yeah. move. They tried to call him a racist before, but now they're uh, trying to say he's a, like uh, in, in cahoots with the Russian, Russians. Yeah, no. Wait, when did they try to call him a racist? I don't remember this. During his for confirmation. His entire, yeah, confirmation. Yeah. Well, what did they... What were they saying he, he did? Um, he made a th- joke about someone one time. Yeah, and I, I mean, I saw videos saying uh, that he was a KKK member or that he had said things that were sympathetic to the KKK. Oh, boy. I don't know. I mean, he's terrifically old. So, you know, there's definitely a, a lot of his early history that would be hard to get records on. He what is did really I hear? Old. He looks like your, your neighborhood. Uh, he looks like that annoying guy driving a tractor on a road who won't let you pass. You know, <laughs> that's Jeff Sessions, like the old farmer who just doesn't that's care so anymore. super accurate. Okay. Super I can't remember where I heard that. He, he definitely has a farmer look about him. But so my uh, questions are, what is the nature of the communication that was recently revealed Um, did he lie about it in his confirmation and is any of the communication abnormal? Cause when I see this without knowing much about it, I think, okay, a Senator spoke with a Russian ambassador. Uh, how is this, how is this a news story? But apparently there's a lying element or something. Explain. I need to know okay, why I need so to hate this Okay, so let's run guy. down some of these notes, so I'll, I'll get you up to speed. Sessions testified during a Senate confirmation hearing on January 10th that, quote, I did not have communication with the Russians, but he was speaking um, in terms of Trump's campaign. So then there was a really crazy Washington Post headline. Um, 
March 1st headlines seem to double the number of meetings where Sessions met with Russians in 2016. Quote, Sessions met with Russians uh, and by twice last year encounters he later did not disclose. It was actually a two-day event hosted by a civic organization, Global Cleveland, and there were 80 international ambassadors at one of them. Uh, and, and then is, he was a speaker for 100 people at the other. And these meetings are in his capacity as senator or as like uh, Trump campaign guy? As senator, I, I I was under the impression. Can okay. Roman confirm, do you know? Yeah, I mean, I was under the impression that they were like sort of like state-sponsored events. It wasn't <clears throat> related to the campaign. I could be wrong, but yeah, that's, that's the impression that I had gotten. It was as a senator. So and then he kind of went dark for a few weeks, um, which is my only beef with this. I don't care about the nature of these interactions, which seem benign to me. I mean, this seems like normal networking that people would do. I mean, 80 international ambassadors. I don't care if one of them was Russian. That doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but he kind of went dark for a few weeks. And so everybody got really suspicious. And then during, he recused During himself. what period? Oh, during this, um, this period of time right now, you mean? Like accusation well, to recusal? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so to be to be clear, he's recused himself on matters relating to investigation of the Trump campaign. That is the nature of the recusal. Yes. Okay. Um, but but so these, a lot of people uh, like but these meetings weren't him. even in that capacity. Right. It's just and whether he lied, he basically. He's talking to Al Franken. Yeah. He's the what he actually said was I had no communication with the Russians, but like if you read the context within um, the Senate confirmation hearing, he clearly was talking about in relation to Trump's campaign. And that's how he answered it as well. Um, so I just wonder why he didn't come out and be like, listen, I'm kind of an old guy. And like, I talked to my scheduler. <laughs> and as it so happens, I did have communication, I guess, with these Russians when they were amongst all these other international ambassadors. Like he seemed gotcha. to, he, he needed to get so on they this probably. Even, they right. were these, was there a private meeting with this ambassador guy? Or was it all As far groups? as I know, no. Okay. Well, that, I think that matters too. Right. And I, I mean, in like, again, like, I'm not even really, I don't think we know enough about what happened at the meetings. But you know, if someone was accusing me of liaising with Russian diplomats or something, you know, in a, a nefarious way, and I had happened to have been at an event with a Russian ambassador, I wouldn't necessarily, if it were me, link those right. two together, right? Mm -hmm. Because those seem like totally different things to me. Right, right. I just and in the capacity of answering those questions, I think that I would be thinking, did I have any individual meetings with these people? Right. right. I just want to compliment the use of the verb liaising. I don't think that has ever been said on this show before. <laughs> so thank you for that. Thank you for um, improving the um, the vocabulary of our listeners. They appreciate it. Yeah. That. Also, uh, nefarious was there too. Oh, that's a good so. one. Nice. Okay. All right. <laughs> nice. If you want to do well on your um, like SAT vocabulary section or whatever. Roman millennial. millennial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the okay. whole thing, I think they're just kind of overblowing it because, you know, in and of itself, a senator meeting with a Russian ambassador is sort of nothing. But when you tie it into like, oh, well, we've been tr trying to set this narrative going about Russian operatives helping the Trump administration. So therefore, the fact that you had this one meeting kind of backs up our whole conspiracy theory where, yeah. you know what I mean? It's all it's confirmation bias. Right. Yeah. It totally is confirmation I'm trying, I, I'm, I, I'll have to look into this because I, I really want to give the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh, there clearly is something here. And, but, and of course this is in the context of me not being fully up to speed on the story, but I, I view all this stuff. Like if we give them, so there was, there was Michael Flynn. All right. He's, he's out. Then you give them Jeff Sessions, he recuses himself at the very least, perhaps more to come, who knows. But it just seems like 
this is going to be just a guy in a sequence of witch hunted people. Like this, it's, it doesn't stop at Jeff Sessions. Maybe he did something wrong. Maybe he didn't. I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to comment on that because I'm woefully unprepared. But my prediction is this is just one in the sequence of events. There's going to be a series of heads sought to be put on stakes. And where where's it going to end? I don't know. I, I, I'm... It'll never end. They'll just continue doing this to people. I mean, I kind of can't believe that they're back on this Russia thing. I mean, even like, quite frankly, with Flynn, I think it was the fact that, you know, it was more like the uh, misleading that I think yeah. was wrong rather than the actual meeting but it, itself. But but it started with the, but they weren't mad at him for that. They didn't go after him with like, for the purpose of being like, hey, you lied to Pence, you jerk. It was like, ooh, he Yeah, he was, it was about the Russians. Yeah, behind the scenes with Vladimir and his friends. And also he lied to Pence and Pence should be mad at him for that. But, you know, that's yeah. not what they yeah. cared about. <laughs> Um, and it's it's pretty ridiculous because even then, like now we have uh, Trump talking about like Schumer and Pelosi and like their secret meetings with the Russians or like even just like regular meetings with the Russians. And it's like, what is this? The 1950s? Did you, I mean, did yeah, you see? Um, yeah, it is like a, a new wave yeah. McCarthyism. Very bizarre. You're right. Which is funny because we're not even at war with the Russians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, did you see um, Claire McCaskill being the unfortunate tweeter of the week yes that was great no i, I didn't see image. this what so she tweets out um i've been on the senate armed services committee for 10 years and i've never met with a russian ambassador and then you go back in her twitter history hey i'm off to meet with the russian ambassador for lunch or something like that i mean it's something different but clear indications that she had met on multiple occasions with a russian ambassador at some point in time yeah actually right. like i i think i have it here she uh yeah, in twenty like twenty seventeen second of March, like no call or meeting with Russian ambassador ever. Period. Uh, yeah. Then like you go back in our timeline, thirtieth of January two thousand thirteen, off to meeting with Russian ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this this is but the fascinating debate here with Cla Claire McCaskill and Jeff Sessions. How much of this is actual malicious intent, and how much of it is just forgetful old people being forgetful old people? I think this is a hundred percent forgetful old people being forgetful old people. Right. And like the thing with Claire McCaskill, I mean, she was meeting with the Russian ambassador, like related to her, her position. I, I'm not sure. I guess it was like on the armed services committee. So that's not even bad. Like I don't fault her for having met with the Russians for her job. And yeah. right, I'm not right. sure why people are faulting Jeff Sessions for meeting with the Russians either. Like yeah. none of these meetings from what I understand seem like they're, related to election hacking or anything like that and so like right. i don't know why and now we have like sort of both sides trying to paint people as like i don't know secret russian operatives and ambassadors often have totally superficial political power right i mean a lot um, of the time it's political appointments mm -hmm. okay well i don't know i i feel like i i'll have to look at I, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is as juicy of a topic as I really want to go into it anyway. It seems, I just, I, I view this as witch hunting, man. I just, like, all right. Because it is. All right, fine. You can have Jeff Sessions move on after, to the next one. I think they're going to try to go after all of, like, Trump's appointments. Yeah. Just, like, one by one. That's that's what I would expect. But um, I don't know. Unless yeah. there's unless there's more stuff on um, on Sessions, I, I'm eager to talk Berkeley. I definitely want to talk Berkeley. Okay. Because uh, that's, uh, that's where every critical value to this country's prosperity goes to die. Uh, <laughs> no. I saw these headlines and I'm like, is this happening again? This is such deja vu. God. Right. So I, um, I did get a chance to cut up um, the news story 
uh, or some a local news story about this. Roaming, do you have the video share app? I want to make sure you. It says there's two people yeah, in here. Yeah. But, oh, okay. Sorry, I I canceled it because I didn't want. Oh, okay, it cool. I just want to make sure you're able to see because there's some ridiculous footage in here. So let me find that. Here we go. Developing news, anger boiling over in Berkeley. Our cameras are rolling as fights break out between anti-Trump protesters and the president's supporters. It was a free-for-all. Trump supporters and anti-Trump protesters going at it. Sometimes it was one-on-one. -on -one. Other times, large groups of people punching, kicking, and hitting each other with sticks. There were so many fights, we lost count. <laughs> Police officers stood by and watched as fights after fight after fight broke out between both sides. Some instigators used pepper spray. Others threw some kind of smoke canister into the crowd and someone set off fireworks. This is a sad day and that we're better than this. On the Trump supporter side, we saw about 60 to 70 people. On the anti-Trump protesters side, we saw about 150 to about 200. We don't have the exact number of folks who were injured, but I saw quite a few people, at least four to five people with bloody faces and a lot more people with bruises to their faces and, and um, hands and all. Officers kind of, um, you know, kept back and, and kind of gave a hands-off approach. Juliet? We've seen seen that stance before from officers. They also didn't move in during the violent Cal protests. So what are they saying about not moving in? Yeah, you know, they're not giving us an answer, but they're, they're just kind of staying at the edge of the park. Um, we're thinking maybe they're concerned about their own safety. Maybe they, they don't want to instigate or, or cause the crowd to even get even more, even more violent. But for the most part, they're just kind of watching the, the, the fights happening. And so there are a lot of folks who are upset, uh, pretty frustrated that they're, they weren't moving in to try to break up the fight. What are the cops oh. doing? Uh, nothing. They're doing a big nothing. I like how everybody reported on this like it was just a clash of anti-Trump people and Trump supporters, uh, and then all the video footage just shows like a bunch of people in black masks kicking one guy's ass on the ground. But like, I mean, could you imagine what it, how you must feel if you were one of the people that was being viciously beaten as cops just sit and watch and you? And watch, and watch. And oh do my nothing? God. Oh, Is God. The, I'm, try, I'm trying to think. I mean, the reporters were pretty charitable and trying to think of reasons why the cops would not intervene. And I'm trying to think of them as like, well, they, they didn't want to endanger themselves. It's like, you're a cop, dude. You're a cop. Yeah. I'm, 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 job. I'm, yeah. Oh I mean, I, I thank you for your, sir. I, I don't want to put myself in danger. That's why I thank you for doing it. But you, what? No, this isn't like, well, it's pretty dangerous for me. I'm just going to sit here <laughs> and let them go. You know, I don't want to mess with them. Um, oh is there, God. is there a, is there a good reason? And, and if you notice the numbers, he said, like, what did he say? Something like 75 pro Trump people. I forget the numbers he said. It basically was like I think two he to said one, 150 pro oh, two to one anti-Trump to pro Trump basically was the ratio. I remember maybe yeah, a little... he said like up to 200 anti-Trump and then like yeah. 70 or something. pro -Trump or, Yeah. Okay. So. I don't know. I mean, even if they were all fighting each other, you would think Berkeley would have a police force sufficient to break that up. And they, they weren't yeah. all fighting each other, but a lot of them were. Oh, yikes. That person at the end there got a handful of hair pulled right out of their head. Did you yeah, see I know. That? Oh, God, that looked painful. <laughs> I, I thought the I same thing when I saw it. Um, yeah, there was, was also... Sorry, go ahead. I mean, those cops were in full-on riot gear, it looked yeah, like. Yeah, they were prepared. Like, they, they were prepared. I, I don't understand why. Like, especially... 
if there are people you can see being actively beaten. And I mean, the reporters got footage of it, so I'm sure it doesn't look like they were being shy about it. I'm sure cops, the cops saw things that yeah. were going on. Well, people violent. It, was, it was a very quick clip in there. And maybe I'm being unfair to this. It was he a city councilman, someone in the city government of Berkeley. And he just says very quickly, it's a quick snippet in the news story. He says, um, this is a sad day for Berkeley. We're better than this. And it's like, I'm starting to think, um, okay, one time it happens. One time it happens, you know, you don't expect it. This is developing into a pattern. And just saying we're better than this, start being better than that. You're in city yeah. government. You, you, I would assume, have some control over the direction <clears throat> of the police force and what the police are going to intervene in and how they're going to stop what is clearly unacceptable behavior. If you're better than this, um, this shouldn't have happened based on what happened at Berkeley with Milo, you know, X amount of weeks ago. Or am I being I, too mean I'm, to him? No, I mean, I think you're right. You're you're in city government. This is clearly a citywide problem. And what I'm curious about is, I mean, are students who are, I'm sure most of these people are students, are universities taking any any sort of action? I mean, we have people who are like, who get expelled for like whispers of sexual assault allegations. Meanwhile, mm. we have actually, like, I mean, hundreds of people that are out rioting, being violent are mm. Are schools taking any sort of action against against things like that? If you know, it's found that a student was no, involved? I'm and I'm sure they're encouraging and organizing some of this behavior as well. Yeah, probably. Uh, I, I mean, they're. I'm sorry, I was going to say, blonde. I saw you t um, had some notes about like just some of the details about just like who who these groups were, what the numbers were. Can you break down some of that for me, just so I'm yeah, but, clear but a lot about, of it like, was exactly... about this Washington Post article about this that, that really pissed me off. The headline okay. was. Um, Pro-Trump rally in Berkeley turns violent as protesters <laughs> clash with the president's supporters. That's not oh, what that looked like to me. Um, and then they continue, supporters of President Trump Protest clash violently. Rally turns violent. Sorry, what did they say? I want to be make sure they I understand. They said pro-Trump rally oh, turns in Berkeley violent. turns violent as protesters right, clash with the Right, implying that the pro-Trump people were the violent ones. Right. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Supporters of President Trump clashed violently with protesters Saturday. Them, they clashed violently with the protesters <laughs> yeah. in Berkeley, California, on a day that numerous pro-Trump rallies took place across the country. The situation was further complicated, and this is like way down there. The situation was further complicated when groups of self-described anarchists, oh, what a fucking surprise, joined the crowd around 3 p.m. Oh, so they weren't, they weren't anti-Trump then. They were just anarchists, right, Thunderfoot? <laughs> the anarchists were dressed in, in black. Welcome I on the show anytime. Right. I wouldn't <laughs> criticize you and. I'll I'll talk to him about it. I'd love to. He'll never come on. Oh God! We're small potatoes. Not for long, man. One day we're gonna get. Yeah, one speak for yourself. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the San Francisco Chronicle reported uh, the anarchists were dressed in black and blocked traffic as they marched through downtown Berkeley, mingling with pro-Trump and anti-Trump demonstrators. Uh, yeah, and so the, yeah, they they do refer to them as black as black block, don't they? At some point in this article. Hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, they conceded. I mean, that, let that me that's just play devil's advocate, because obviously, based on the history I've observed, I don't have a problem with, uh, I don't know, operating under the assumption that the anti-Trump people were the instigators of violence. However, do we have actual proof that that was the case? 
Like I, uh, I haven't seen. I watched a lot of video footage today, and it looked like every other Antifa. It looked like the Milo protest in Seattle. It looked like uh, Milo at Berkeley. It's like mm. these people. They use the same tactics. They're doing the same shit. They're masked. They're always in black, and it's always like six on one, and they're beating people with poles. Yeah. This is the same crap. Yeah, yeah I mean, I saw. I saw a lot of masked people doing the beating. So, I mean, I guess there's nothing that says that the Trump supporter can't be the one wearing the black mask. But, I yeah. mean. I just. Yeah. That's what I, I want to see, don't... actually. That You raise a good point. I want to see the ski mask with the MAGA hat. That is, <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I want to see. Someone please do that. Um, but don't do, well, I, sh- I, no. Just do that for the lols. Don't actually incite or uh, create violence because I don't want to be responsible for that. I just want a meme. I want a meme. So someone make the meme. Make the meme. Now that we're clear on my intent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the, uh, again, the, the, I think the takeaway here is uh, to what extent is this going to be? Is this going to be allowed? To what extent are we going to accept this? It seems unless that guy starts getting serious, that councilman guy. Is Berkeley just going to accept this as as normal? We often hear that in the anti-Trump rhetoric too. Don't normalize this. Don't normalize Trump. Yeah, okay. Trump's a weird guy. Um, oh, I was going to ask you too about this wiretapping crap that I teased at the top of the show. Everything I've seen so far, I think it's probably bullshit. But maybe not. Yeah, uh, I don't this know. Obama we should, wiretapping we talk about Trump. that some more. Okay. Do you want to transition to that now? Because I will say Trump's a weird guy with like stupid quirks and he says dumb things, no doubt. And I like to play the clips of him saying dumb things because they're funny and fun. But don't Um, normalize this. Well, you're normalizing violence very rapidly. And that's that's what Berkeley's got to deal with. What how many more of these before we just I don't know, fine, let Berk let California secede, but Berkeley can just get a get an expedited process. Just federal government, here's your secession papers, you're gone, Berkeley. Re- People's Republic Ugh. of Berkeley. Go away. Take Robert Reich with you, please. <laughs> anyway, so um Michael you want to talk Moore. about the Yeah. Well Mike yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I guess we can talk about this, but like, I just read the headline this morning and then I watched Stefan Malini's video on it. And that's basically all the research I've done. Um, I mean, I gotta say that I, I think that Trump would not have said this if he didn't have any evidence. Show me I the evidence. I think he might pull, I know, but I gotta see the evidence. <laughs> I know you can't. I mean him. I mean him. Cause he can. No, no, I know. I know. He can show us the evidence. But I don't think that he would have done this unless he had some pretty substantial evidence this was happening because it was a bombshell. Oh, oh yeah. He, do, he doesn't make wild accusations without any substantiation. No, he's, he's very level-headed. He uh, <laughs> likes to think before he tweets. Um, well, something interesting that I saw, and I, it was a, I think it was some GOP uh, representative or, or senator, I don't know, some Republican figure was saying that, um, you know, even if it does come out that there was a tapping that was, you know, authorized by the White House. It still doesn't necessarily mean that Obama specifically ordered right. it or was involved in it. And um, so, I mean, even if Trump does have evidence that this happened, I still think saying that Obama did it specifically was not a very smart move. No, definitely not. And I think this is probably going to be one of his hyperbole tactics where we find out that what he said was ludicrous, but there was like 20% truth to it. Yeah. Yeah. And if history is any 50% indicator. Truth. Yeah. 50%. Nugget of truth exaggerated, probably. <laughs> Maybe, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some White House intern uh, walked in there with like his phone recording or something like that, you know, and now it's blown out of proportion. But yeah, I, I like anything else. If I see the evidence, I'll believe it. But until then, um, 
it is given the presumption of not true until I see it substantiated. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll have and to report on like, it next week. Yeah, yeah, like wiretapping. He, it, it, Trump made it sound like there was like literally a bug in his phone. I mean, his evidence could have, I mean, if there was even anything, it could have ranged from anything like, oh, White House has requested your, you know, your phone records or something like that. Yeah. I mean, like, it literally but was it just something. this one tweet or was it a series of tweets? I only read the one. There was, I mean, there were like, I think three tweets that were done in like rapid succession, sort of like replies to each other from what I understand. What time of the day or night was well, it? find this. You want I can, I can find it. Um, Trump. Oh, was it 3 a.m.? Please don't tapping. be 3 a.m. <laughs> tweets. We need elevator but, music for when we're doing the, the research. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I just feel like Blonde's probably right. There was, like, maybe something about, like, phone calls or whatever, and then Trump just, like, took it from, like, zero to 100. Yeah. Obama as tapped he, my phone. As he does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you want you want me to read the tweets to you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, terrible, of course, of course. Terrible. Um, 4.35 a.m. Mountain. So <laughs> that is um, that is 6.35 a.m. Eastern, so that's not okay, as okay. as crazy. So he was fresh in the morning, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as crazy as the 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 three a.m. Who was he tweeting about at three a.m. last time? I forget. Forget I what forget. one that was. Anyway, uh, of course, a Trump tweet. Terrible. Just found out that Obama had my quote wires. Okay, so to your point about maybe he has evidence, he did put wires tapped uh, in quotations as though there's some source on that. I don't know why he would do that, but that's interesting. In Trump Tower, just before the victory, presumably he means uh, the election, right? Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. And then he says, it, it, uh, is it legal for a sitting president to be, quote, wiretapping, unquote, a race for president prior to an election? Turned down by court earlier, a new low. Okay, so maybe there was some sort of court, dis- like he went to, he tried to get a whatever is necessary, some type of warrant to do this, and maybe it was turned down. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Um, how low has President Obama gone to tap with two T's, tap my, f- or two, uh, two P's, I should say, tap my phones during the very sacred election process? Very sacred, so sacred tremendously sacred <laughs> this is nixon slash watergate bad or sick guy oh god if this I is what be... it would be like if my dad got if my dad got twitter i think <laughs> <laughs> well if i want to be charitable in the way you were it does seem it does read like he's referencing something now could it be like a sticky note that kellyanne left <laughs> on his desk it might be that Oh, hey, by the way, Donald, uh, they wiretapped you. And then he's quoting that. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But, but just, I mean, regardless of what evidence he may or may not have, I think tweeting about it and instead of like, if there is anything, like, again, like, we don't know. For all we know, he could just be like some old guy on Twitter, right? If there was something, he should have not done it through Twitter without backing it up in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Are you Might asking Trump not to Trump? Is that what you're doing right now? Yeah, or maybe to Trump a little less hard. I can't imagine his <laughs> pick his trumps. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hmm. All right. I, I don't want to give a ton of time to this to the extent. Um, it no, might be because people Trump's are bitching in the chat that we are not up to date on this story, so we oh, should move okay. on. Okay. All right. So let the, next week. the chat. But we will have chat. to play fake news again. Well, yeah, I know. That's the thing. <laughs> hey, talk about this thing that you're not informed about. Hey, we're mad at you for reporting it incorrectly. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We love you, by the way. Thanks for supporting the show. 
Yeah, really. But I mean, and also, like, can I just say, like, Twitter stories like this, I feel like, you know, the tweet itself is sort of fake news, and then within, like, two hours, there's, like, 50 different news stories, and then, like, later on that day, there's, like, more news stories on Twitter, and some of those are also fake. I mean, at this yeah. point, like, it's really hard to keep up yeah. with what is real and what it's what is not. Like, honestly, it's it's exhausting. I know, I know. I only refreshed okay. myself in the story this morning, and apparently I've, everything has changed Tell today. me about the Intercept reporter guy who um, was threatening the Jews. Let's just move off this. Tell me about that. <laughs> to a less controversial topic. I'm a, yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, man. Okay, a former reporter for a news website, The Intercept, was charged on Friday with making more than half a dozen bomb threats against Jewish community centers, schools, a Jewish history museum, federal authorities say. Um, the man, Juan Thomas, 31, of St. Louis, my hometown. Which you love, threats. by the way. Big fan. Big fan of St. Right. Louis. It's, Ask anyone. It's the greatest. We've always, yeah. we've always praised St. Louis, never said anything bad about it, ever. Okay. <laughs> Made some of the threats using his own name and others, implicating a former girlfriend as part of an effort to intimidate her. And then, um, I don't know if you uh, got any of his tweets that I put up in the outline, but some of them I are. I don't. I do have the New York Times story, though but I don't have his tweets. You want to read the tweets for me? Yeah. Know any good lawyers need to stop this nasty racist white girl I know, uh, or I dated, who sent a bomb threat in my name and wants me to be raped in jail. And wow. then he um, he has some something else he wrote off of Twitter so he could get more information about how he met her and, and things like that. There were warning signs. She was a Brooklyn white radical. And talks about herpes a little bit. <laughs> he's he's a really odd guy. So come to find out that he was let go from the intercept for falsifying, um, like falsifying some stories. Big news, bad. basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Creating Gmail accounts and things like that um, from apparent from made up sources. He emailed. Real he created. Okay, that. All right. Li listen, like if if that's what he did. So you're saying. He didn't just make up the quotes and the sources. Well, he did, but he took the extra step of creating a fake Gmail to send to himself and then right, quoting and the his story. editors. All right. Well, that that is commitment. That is a, that is a, some extra effort. Credit where doing the fake news uh, effort there. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, he worked for the Intercept, I think, for two years. Yeah, wow, and from what okay. I understand, like he was fired before this all, or like he he, he know he was like a former Intercept employee yeah he was, he was fired in, in january 2016 so right. yeah. yeah not not current yeah yeah um and then so people dug into his twitter his history and on november 21st 2016 he tweeted i just returned from senegal after weeks in that beautiful country plus i'm correction reverting to islam 2016 has been a crazy year reverting so he's an ex-muslim or am i understanding that correctly I think that what he was saying not converting, was that, but reverting. Like I like he was Muslim coming back and then it. yeah, not Muslim and then Muslim again. Okay, all right. At a news conference on Friday in New York, Oren Segal, director of Anti Defamation League Center for for Extremism on Extremism, that's hilarious, uh, said Mr. Thompson had been on the organization's radar since he was first fired for fabricating quotes and articles, and then he was arrested on Friday, um, being held without bond. Hmm. So is there any indication um, that there was anything more to his threats than just kind of like the personal aspect? I mean, was he was he just trying to get at this ex-girlfriend or whatever? Is there anything more to it, it than that? It seemed that he just wanted to get at his ex-girlfriend. Um, but it's like it's complicated. Like some of his tweets um, were like really anti-white, really racist. 
And then well, he I talks guess, about dating this white girl and how she was racist. And so, so he seems to have some underlying resentment, I think. What, what, what I'm unclear I had on is heard what, that he was this uh, – I read one article that painted him as an anti-Trump Bernie supporter. Uh, but I don't know if yeah. that, as far as I know, like his threats had nothing to do with, like didn't mention. He just made a, a bunch of yeah. anti-Trump tweets. So, but what's the connection to why, why was he targeting Jewish places? Is it just because he wanted to frame her with something really bad or is yeah, that's, that's it? it that's all it is? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, he should have tried pedophilia. That <laughs> frame her with pedophilia. That would have worked better. Please Everyone knows that. that Nazi, Nazi yeah. is outdated. <laughs> Yeah, Nazi is outdated. Everyone, nobody believes that anymore. You have to move on to the next ac uh, accusation. It's pedophilia now. Get up to speed. I like how the FBI, FBI found him in like five minutes. This girl was like, uh, I definitely didn't do that. And they were like, oh, okay. Well, it was obviously this guy. And that's it. <laughs> no underlying okay. motives, I think. And w so what was the what was the range? Like how for what period of time was he doing this? Or how, how long? Or Looks like I see um, one thread on... February 1st and then Probably another one like February so. 22nd. Yeah. That's what it looks like. So, I mean, yeah. H half a dozen bomb threats for over the yeah. course of a month. I mean, I don't, don't you just start to think, ah, maybe, I, maybe I need to try something else. I've been at this for a month and it hasn't really worked. So I'll try I don't know, some other way. Such to... a, that's such a specific niche form of revenge, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like bomb threats against, Jewish community centers like that's very that seems so targeted I don't know yeah. I mean there's yeah. probably more to like her position or something that makes that relevant but just as like an outsider looking at I have to ask why like why this specifically out of all the things you could have done well he probably was like what do people hate more than anything else Nazis yeah and so he just tried to frame her they're not so bad we all know that <laughs> you just got to give them a chance <laughs> okay. uh, oh, send your hate mail, Beauty in the Beta, gmail.com. Yeah, of course, as always. We I have, hear yeah. we have more Keith Overman stuff this week. Yeah, I do. Do you want to? Do you want to bounce to that? I, it's actually a little bit longer. Normally, I try to cut up my Keith to a digestible little segment, but there was so much in this one. I was like, all right, I'll let it go a little bit long because um, I'm ready. I'm ready. So for basically, the um, uh, and just to explain to the audience into roaming. So Keith Overman has this bit on GQ's channel. Uh, where he just, ha as far as I can tell, it is just propaganda ramblings of an insane person. Um, and it's you know, resist Trump and it's, it's, it's nonsense. But some of it is, is really entertaining, not for the reasons Keith thinks that it is, but just because it's funny to, I don't know, observe and laugh at and all this <laughs> stuff. So the reason this one's a little bit long is because this week he um, he's going to make a case for you, but he's got a lot of uh, anecdotal pieces of evidence, a lot of individual stories he's using to build his case. So I thought I had to leave them in. And I thought, call me crazy, but based on his past body of work, I bet Keith's not presenting these accurately. I bet he might have a bias in his presentation of these stories. So I dug into some of his stories a little bit. I'll talk about those after we observe what he has to say. And now, with a message from the intern desk of the Propaganda Ministry, here's Keith Olbermann. Scum! Russian scum! Trump's travel ban is a Muslim ban. 
and his immigration enforcement order is a purge of Hispanics. And I am tired of hearing the radical right bullshit that they are anything else. They add nothing to the safety of this country. They are sadistic. They are turning ordinary, unthinking Americans into a mindless Gestapo. Donald Trump's Gestapo. When you detain an American born in Philadelphia and ask him over and over again, where did you get your name from? And are you Muslim? And the man's name is Muhammad Ali Jr. It's a Muslim ban. When ICE agents reportedly wait across the street from a Virginia church refuge designed to save the homeless from freezing to death on our streets, and you grab six men as they leave the place, it is a purge of Hispanics. When an apparent white supremacist reportedly asks two engineers from India in a bar in Kansas City about their visas, then allegedly shoots them while shouting, get out of my country. And Sean Spicer says that the thought of it having anything to do with Trump is, quote, absurd. It's a Muslim ban. When you end a program designed to prevent the deportation of spouses and parents and children of active U.S. military personnel, it is a purge of Hispanics. When you tell the Oregon family of a four-month-old girl that no, she is initially denied entry to Portland for life-saving surgery because she's from Iran, it's a Muslim ban. When you allegedly detain a Mexican man at the border, and even though he is in apparent emotional distress, you deport him again anyway, and he goes to a bridge a few hundred feet into Mexico, and he throws himself to his death. It is a purge of Hispanics. It is a series of acts intended to terrify Americans into submission. It is a series of acts intended to silence those who would object and turn them into human sheep. It is a series of acts intended to turn respect for authority into fear of authority. It is in fact a series of acts of terrorism against the people of the United States of America. And Donald Trump, it is your doing, and in due time, you will atone. Resist. <laughs> Peace. Oh, man. Preach it, Keith. Peace. Okay. Uh, initial reactions and any, any initial thoughts to oh Mr. Alderman's presentation there? It's the ramblings of a completely insane man, right? That guy's a schizophrenic guy in a diner at 2 a.m. I mean... <laughs> Like the the word Hitlerian is thrown around a lot uh, in regards to speeches, but he he definitely has that vibe. I'm sorry. It's like oh, you, Hitler... you think Keith is Hitlerian? Yeah, yeah like, like what he does oh, okay. at the end. Did he say yeah. resist? Yeah, resist. Yeah, peace. I think so. It's like Hitler yeah. meets a uh, Southern Pentecostal pastor. <laughs> okay. Okay, so th this is what was interesting about this is I love that, um, I mean, first off, let's talk about Keith's reasoning. Like, when I provide an anecdote that supports my bias, it's what I say it is. What? <laughs> you just selected like six stories that support your preconceived conclusion. What are you talking about? But then the question yeah. becomes, are those stories really true in the way you present them? Now, I looked into these. They are all, in fact, actual stories. The question is, are they true in the way that, that he... Um, that he wants you to believe they are. So Muhammad Ali Jr. was in fact detained um, and his lawyers all pissed off about it. It was several hours, but he still got through. He still got into the United States uh, eventually. I mean, he was inconvenienced for sure. And we got only his side of the story and only his lawyer's side of the story. And U.S. Um, Customs and Border Protection can't talk about it because they don't talk about individual cases like that. They are legally restricted from talking to the press about it. So 
Was it ideal? Maybe not. But for all we know, there are missing facts because the law enforcement of it can't talk about it. So that's a little bit unfair. That's a one-side, one-sided presentation. The Iranian girl uh, who, she can't get into Portland to get her surgery. She did. The federal government gave her an exemption, an emergency exemption. She got into the United States and she got her surgery, which has a very high success rate in the U.S. and a lower success rate in Iran. She got her surgery. Okay. Uh, the claim about military spouses. He said Trump did away with um, with the policy of not deporting the spouses of illegal uh, illegal immigrants serving in the military. Now, what's true is there was a, a policy, or there is a policy called parole in place, federal policy, been in place since 2013. And Trump's uh, immigration enforcement executive order doesn't carve out a specific exemption or reference to this. So it's unclear. Did Trump do away with it? Was it intentional? No. What's unclear, it's unclear because his executive order doesn't reference it and it's an existing policy. So lack of clarity, got to go back to him and ask what his stance on this is. Not Trump did away with it and he's going to deport all the, the spouses of the military. No, no, just lack of clarity there. And, and yeah, he probably should be clear on it, but is it some big policy that we should be marching in the streets about? Probably not. I'll try to be quick about the rest of these. Uh, the suicide guy. He mentioned the suicide guy. Uh, deported. Jumped off a bridge uh, right after. Third deportation for that guy. Third mm. deportation. Presum- I couldn't verify. Presumably the previous two under Obama. And just think about the reasoning here too. Yeah, is it sad that that, that guy killed himself? Of course it is. But think about um, what I think about uh, is the... Do you guys remember the Cleveland kidnapper? Um, that big case, like, I don't know how many years ago, he had basically a rape dungeon, this guy in Cleveland and he kidnapped. I do when he had those girls for like 10 years or something like that. Something yes. crazy. Until one of them escaped and he was finally brought to justice. And do you know what happened to him when he was in jail? He, he hanged himself. himself. Or something. Yes. Yeah. Now, do we hold the ju- Do we hold the lawmakers accountable for that? Do we hold the judge accountable for that? Fact of the matter is he broke the law and he faced it, faced justice and he hanged himself. Especially like, I love the way he phrased it. This guy who was emotionally, clearly emotionally distressed later killed himself. Like, well, I mean, like ICE, Customs Enforcement, whatever. Obviously, someone they're trying to deport is going to be emotionally distressed, right? I mean, they're not psychologists. They're just law enforcement. Obviously, the person they're going to be, I, I don't know, like deporting is going to look upset to them. That's not their, I don't fault them at all for knowing that this person maybe had, you know, mental health issues yeah. they were working through or whatever. That's, uh, yeah. I, it, and third deportation, sound, I mean. That doesn't sound good. He probably committed a bunch of crimes. He's making it sound like these deportations are what are driving people to commit suicide. Yeah, it's entirely unfair. Like the enforcement of the law drives people to suicide, so don't enforce the law. And and what's the standard, Keith? Show up at the border with this amount of sadness in your heart and you're welcome to come (laughs) in? I mean, how do we quantify that? They they were a lot of tears. A lot of tears. A lot of emotional distress. Right. Law exempt. I don't know, man. I mean, can I, can I, obviously I feel bad about a tragedy like that. I'm not going to try to make light of what happened, but at the same time, I can't follow Keith's conclusion that the president or people enforcing immigration law are directly responsible for what happened to this guy. He's breaking the law and he faced the repercussions for doing that. Sorry. And the last point is, um, this Virginia raid he's talking about when they, when they, 
uh, go after homeless people who are freezing or whatever. So there was a raid in Virginia that's controversial because they did in fact sit outside of a church that serves as a, a, a refuge for um, homeless people who are in cold in cold weather. And they did a raid that resulted in the arrest of six, I believe, to be illegal immigrants. So I believe it was actually successful. Six people were arrested. I have not confirmed if they were in fact illegal or not. The controversy is not about detaining the people who are believed to be illegal. The controversy in that case is ICE sort of has a tradition of staying away from quote unquote sensitive places like churches, uh, you know, like charitable places. Uh, it's kind of an, it's like a unspoken custom that they have as opposed to like hard law or, you know, it's like a best practice. It's like, okay, we realize this is kind of traumatic. We're going to try to save these um, quote unquote nice places from this, what can be a very traumatic act. So, when he presents that as controversial, it's like the controversy isn't about detaining illegals. That's their job. The controversy is about where it happened. But it's a Hispanic purge. No. <laughs> the, how is, it's a Muslim ban and it's a Hispanic purge because I provided like uh, a few Five stories. anecdotes. Yeah. Also, I, I mean, are, are all the, the stories he mentioned being evidence of Hispanic purges, were those people actually Hispanic? Like, I mean, he's... He's assuming that these illegal immigrants are Hispanic. We don't actually know that. I mean, yeah. and that's, I, that's, that's not, not something I yeah. I would assume. It's Especially not the like, controversy I mean, in Virginia either, for all we know. I mean, it's totally possible they were non-Hispanic illegals. Now, is it likely that they were, uh, to the extent we have a problem with Hispanic uh, illegal immigration? Sure, it, it might be likely. But you're, to your point, you're exactly right. We don't know. We don't know. For all we know, one of them was a Russian spy or something. But it's <laughs> right. a Hispanic purge. I, I don't yeah. know. I just, I mean, I, I see more of an argument for the Muslim ban, even though it's not a Muslim ban, than for the Hispanic purge. Because, I mean, like, customs enforcement applies equally to people of every race, right? Every nationality. So, I mean, they, they could have just been, as easily been, like, I don't know, Eastern European illegal immigrants or, or something like that. I don't think it's... They're not meaning to target well, yeah, Hispanics the, specifically. Yeah, and that's the fraud. Is like obviously you have an immigration problem that pertains to like a particular nationality or a particular ethnicity, perhaps, and then these people get pissed when the enforcement of it also pertains to that particular nationality or that particular ethnicity. It's like that is what the problem is. It's like you can't have ninety percent. I don't know what the stats are. I'm just speaking hypothetically, but let's say ninety percent of illegal immigration is is coming from Mexico or you know uh, Central America, Hispanic uh, type places. Well, we, it's only fair if the deportation is exactly proportional to the racial demographics of society because that's not the demographics of the immigration. So we, we, to the extent that the problem has a disproportionate demographic, the solution is going to have a disproportionate demographic. Sorry, just the way it is. Right. Anything more on Keith? Because I got... Um, some more, some more Sweden stuff that might be interesting uh, for you to think about, Blonde, or for some of the audience to think about, too, because I know... Sure. Um, oh, I uh, want to talk about Sweden. Yeah, well, Blonde got the hell out of Sweden. I She's did. She's in Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> I really didn't like it. I only spent, yeah. like, five or six days there, and I was like, pass. I'm done with this country. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And it's and, cold. <laughs> and Blonde got out of Sweden, yeah, because of the weather, okay, for all these people who want to trap Blonde in a box. It was because it was cold, and she doesn't like the cold snow but i do i would have liked it there anyhow no, I, I don't think you would have sky i would yes you when i asked you how cold you said oh like 10 degrees and i'm like yeah like so winter time <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds about right uh so um 
my understanding of the backstory on this is uh, Paul Joseph Watson issued that challenge of like, hey, any journalists want to go to these um, these uh, immigrant uh, concentrated areas in Sweden, specifically these alleged no-go zones, and investigate, um, I will help you finance that. And Tim Poole, I believe, is, as far as I know, the only one to accept that challenge slash offer. And some of the footage, I, I've only become recently aware of this footage, uh, thanks to some links on Twitter. And um, some really interesting footage he is gathering and experiences he is having. So the two things that I've seen recently, and I know he uploaded just before we went live, that's follow-up to one of these that might be interesting to check out, but I'll have to wait to do that later. One is him trying to go into a no-go zone, an alleged no-go zone in the Stockholm borough or an area of Stockholm. And then the other is he sat down with a psychologist who wanted to talk about why Swedes are so afraid or unwilling to talk about the problems that are going on. And this psychologist you know, does so only under the, the condition of the strictest anonymity possible. And even that is kind of an interesting condition under which to speak about something that shouldn't be as career-threatening as it apparently is. So I just want to play a couple clips from Tim. If you want to watch these, they're linked in the description too, and there's a lot of great work on his channel. I'm excited to see the rest of his material, so I would recommend it for people who care about the Sweden issue. So let's check out um, what Tim has done recently. Uh, the police have just warned us. So this, this is him getting kicked out of the police warning him and escorting or telling him to leave this no-go zone, and then he tells us some more about it as well after the fact. That if, if we don't leave now and, and take this escort, it's going to get really bad really fast. They said... 50 people could be here in minutes and they recognize us. They're masking up. We have to leave. Decided to talk to the police. You know, I didn't know if they spoke English, but some, one of the officers recognized me. I had a, a pretty good conversation uh, with him. He said, you know, yeah, you know, immigrants, they may, might be, they, you know, they're overrepresented in crime, these poor areas, they have more crime. But he told me he felt like they could do a lot of good there and that it was, you know, something he liked doing. I asked him about no-go zones. Are, are these real things? Because we hear that they don't exist. And he said, well, you know, like, there's problem areas that have referred to where they can't go in unless they have at least two units because one cop will watch the other cop. The officer said that, uh, you know, hey, have you noticed what people are doing around you? If we leave in a few minutes, it might be very bad for you, so it might be smart for you to, you know, to go. And I, you know, and then I was like, are, we should leave. Like, are you saying maybe we should just go to our car? He's like, that's my tip for you, maybe. Okay, so that's his exchange with the police. And then this is him actually speaking with a psychologist in Sweden. Uh, and I think the exchange is really interesting. I don't think he says anything that controversial, but he's terrified for the consequences of saying it. It's interesting to think about. Do you realize the absurdity uh, of having to protect the identity of a psychologist in a Western nation? Yeah, it's embarrassing. Multiculturalism, for instance, rests on the assumption that if one group accomplishes less than another, the explanation may not be found in the minority group itself, but it must be found in the majority group. And this causes victimization, identity politics, and politics of guilt from the majority. Swedes are indoctrinated from very young age into all these these values and, and opinions that are not supposed to be questioned. And I think one of the, the, the core issues is that we moralize over empirical questions. This is the first time that I have had to obscure the identity of an expert in an academic field. And this is Sweden. I, this is someone who has the authority to speak about these kinds of issues, but they were so scared 
about people finding out who they were, they they almost didn't want to do the interview, but they they you know flat out said just please take every precaution because they could lose their careers, their jobs, they could lose their friends. Sweden. Who would believe this? Sweden. Um, so sad. So I'm cut to hear there. Your thoughts, yeah. I think it has to do with, um, yeah, they they have just the most serious and widespread case of white guilt I could possibly imagine. And, you know, like, when I listen to the people who are, you know, very pro-refugee, pro-migrant, and, you know, all that, what strikes me is just how naive they are, and I think ignorant about the third world and about Middle East culture and things like that. Um, because I, I can't imagine any scenario where you bring a huge pocket full of, I don't know, Syrian migrants and stick them in a concentrated area and expect them, expect it to be anything other than little Syria, right? I mean, a people is what makes a country. And when you're, when you have these pockets of these people who have no interest in assimilating, obviously it's going to be the same result as what's going on in their country. And, you know, I think they have this, this terrible optimism that kind of leads them to believe like, oh no, once once they're here, everything will be fine. Like They'll no, see how I, wonderful our culture is and they'll want right. to respect just, it and partake in it, yeah. Yeah, just of like their own free will, even though like we're not forcing them or, you know, obliging them to in any way. I think the best thing for Sweden would be for them to learn about what's going on in the Middle East and what the culture is like. Like when I was in school, I, you know, I, I studied Middle East studies in Arabic and you, the Middle East had a lot of problems, and I think it would it would be stupid to ignore the cultural aspect of those problems. And I think that's exactly what Sweden's doing right now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I was fascinated. sad to watch. I it was is fascinated sad. by the part where he said, because um, it, it, beyond Sweden, it just spoke to me about the kind of uh, a lot of the the left worldview in the U.S. that has kind of divorced me from that side where. You say if one group is observed to have a different or even inferior outcome to another group, the presumed reason is the fault of the successful group or the majority group, and it is unacceptable to even consider reasons in the group that has experienced the inferior outcome. It was, the way he phrased it was very simple, and I was like, yeah, I mean... That's it's true. not. It's not as though it's one or the other. I mean, it's not as the, it's not like it's. Oh, it's impossible to be the majority of the successful group's fault. It's possible, but it's also possible that it's not. It's also possible that it's the unsuccessful group's fault, or it's possible to be a mix. But we totally have cultivated a culture where no, no, no. This one box where the fault might lie can't touch it. Off limits. Racist, bigot, sexist, whatever. The way he phrased it just. I mean, I have no idea what's going on in Sweden, obviously, but I was like, that is exactly what's going on here. And maybe it's worse there, but that is exactly the worldview we observe all the time. Yeah, I, I think I've talked about this a little bit last week, but I saw this Swedish PSA where they say that old Swedes, which is what they're yeah. calling the native populations, will yeah. now have to integrate with new Swedes. It's like the new country or something, that that commercial. And yeah, like they're the like, our country has changed, and this is the way things are now. And there's and, no going back. And there's no going back, back. yeah. And it, that was the scariest PSA I've, I've ever seen. I mean, wh what do you even do with the people like that? I, they don't want to save their own country, so... Uh, well, how went, so was this, was this like a pro-immigration, pro-refugee PSA? Yeah, the hashtag so, was um, in Swedish, so I'm not sure what it meant, but it was something along those lines. It actually panned out at the end in a chick uh, on a chick with a hijab on. 
I'm just interested but because I mean, you guys reached the same conclusion because I've heard you say like, nope, there's no hope for this country. Just accept it the way it is. And they're, they're kind like of saying pandas. the same thing. They're pandas? like pandas. They're incapable of saving themselves <laughs> at this point, I think. It's like... <laughs> yeah, right. Because so, so to be clear, you can't get pandas to breed and stuff in the zoo. Like they won't. That's kind of the Swedish problem too, that low birth rate. We got to... Yeah. Right, no, we got to get some are... aphrodisiacs into the pandas and to the Swedes. How are we going to get this done? Oh man, yeah, she... it's, it's it's really sad because I, you know they're trying to do it through the lens of altruism, yeah. um, and I don't think you know they're not having helping themselves and they're not even really having a positive impact on these migrant communities either, right? Yeah. Because I mean, no, it's just virtue signaling. They have to know that they're not actually making a real impact. And improving these people's lives. I mean, this is a net loss all around, all around. Well, I, the other, um, the, so the video that Tim just uploaded that I am eager to check out, and I wish I, I had it prepared for the show, but I don't, uh, so I don't even know what happens. He goes back to this, is it Rink, Rink of, what's the neighborhood in Stockholm? Do you know it's Rinka? Rinkaby? Rinkaby, yeah, something like that. He, anyways, that's where he got escorted out or claims to have. He went back, uh, or so the video title says, my return to this place. And um, I have no idea what happens, so I'm excited to see what happens. Tim's work, is, like I said, it is linked in the description. If you if you think this uh, topic is interesting and you want to see someone, quite frankly, with the balls to go there and and try to get into these places and see what's going on, I got a lot of respect for that. And um, so check that out. And, and Tim's doing great work. Um, maybe we can talk to him eventually. I'd like to talk to Tim about his experience. Yeah, we'll we see. should invite him on. We'll see. Um, anyhow, we, uh, we killed an hour. We murdered them on a weekly basis and we did it again this week. Somehow always do. Thanks. Thanks mostly to roaming millennial for saving our life of preparation. <laughs> um, but you guys got any closing thoughts before we round it out? I'm just, I'm thinking I'm sad about Sweden right now. Hmm. That was a. Yeah. yeah, I'll think, of, yeah. think about pandas instead. Try that. It'll cheer you up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The Swedes well, of the animal kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I know Blonde's itching to get out of here because it's like whatever time in the morning for her, like 4 a.m. 4 right. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll close it out there. That's our guest, Roaming Millennial. Uh, we hope she'll come back. We always love when she's here. She's uh, Her YouTube channel is great. Please check it out. Linked in the description or Twitter as well. Um, support her because she supported us. And uh, we'll be seeing her soon, I hope. Um, so uh, thanks to the live chat not liking our topics and giving us crap as always uh, and being mad at us for not being informed <laughs> we appreciate you guys and if you're listening um, on an audio platform or on YouTube on demand thank you as well for supporting the show there is more of the show like I always say there's more of the show on the audio platforms if you want to hear different interviews uh, with uh, Blonde and I have done with other people as well as the call in show things like that iTunes, Google Play uh, all those are linked in the description for you you can always email us, tell us what we got wrong and how much we suck, beautyinthebeta at gmail.com. <laughs> we'll be back next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, sorry Chuck Todd, it's not Meet the Press. It's Beauty and the Beta. We'll see you then. Bye, guys. Bye.